Greetings to episode six of Guaranteed Audio. I am Kevin James, along with my friends Neil Cicerega. Hey! And Ryan Murphy. Hello! For this month's episode. I guess we're doing the monthly. We're Just trying to about. Do, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we do them more frequently than monthly, but monthly seems okay. Sure. Yeah, we don't have... We're not a news show. We don't have things to say every week. I find the word monthly suggests in in the month-to-month zone. Yeah. Like the, the Lee, it sounds more like a, uh, oh, month-esque, you know? <laughs> It has the feeling of a month. Yes. Yeah, we're not we're not uh, hot on the pulse of things. We're not going to give you hot takes on uh, what what's current, what's new. <laughs> what? Don't eat Tide Pods. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, that's, that's not, not this no, week's because it, it's not it's not every week. Yeah, that's not our line for the best. That's not our line of work. Um, so if how is, about those clowns in Congress? That's evergreen. <laughs> what a bunch of clowns. <laughs> If this is your first time listening to the show and you'd like to find the MP3 or podcast version of the show on iTunes, Google Play, or any other RSS podcast player, head on over to guaranteedaudio.com. You'll find everything you need need <laughs> to listen to Guaranteed Audio. Uh, and to find all of our movies, we're over at guaranteedvideo.com. Great URLs to have. Great domains to have. Yeah. We, we, we can't got, get over. We got lucky. We got dot coms. <laughs> We're big not dot net not I, just dot or, I just want to point that out not dot gov dot we didn't com. skimp <laughs> we spent so much uh spared no expense guys what's new in guaranteed video we have been busy since the christmas season we put out a uh a trailer a promotional material for the boston underground film festival which for those of you who are patrons, thank you again. And you've probably already heard our post-mortem talking about the project itself, how it got how it got made, mm-hmm. how the production went, how the reception has... Well, no, actually, that's the future. How yeah. the reception has been or is yet to be. And it features the return of Daxter Flaxter. Check it out <laughs> on guaranteedvideo.com. We have two other videos that are live now, too. One uh, of which is our Frosty the Snowman video. Yep. Uh, um, which has been uh, kind of waiting in the wings for eight years now to be made. And every Christmas season, we sort of don't do it. And uh, this year I said, to hell with it. It doesn't have to be a Christmas video. There's nothing in the song that explicitly says, yeah. and then Santa Claus came around. Like, no. Yeah, is Frosty a Christmas song? No, I looked into it. You did? <laughs> I looked into it. It's not a Christmas song. It's it's totally, I mean, you don't hear it on the radio in January, do you? No, but that's because people forget about the snow in the rest of the United States, you know, yeah, I guess after, so. uh, yeah. Um, and our, the other video that's live is actually from our guaranteed video extravaganza screening. Yes. I, um, I wanted to make a short video to introduce, to introduce this little, um, this like get together that, um, that, uh, Boston underground put together for us, for us to screen, a you know, our an evening of our movies. Yeah. Our, our repertoire of movies. And, um, we did it at the Somerville theater in Somerville, mass. And, uh, it was totally fun and uh, it sold so out. It did sell <laughs> like out. I mean, there's only 30 seats in that theater. 30, but it, 40. Yeah. yeah. We, we were worried that people were going to show up trying to get in the day of with cash and uh, it, whatever. It was, it was a lot of fun. We got to screen. We, what do we have? Like an hour and a half, two hours of movies. But, yeah. It was all our short films and computer fighters and stuff. But anyway, I wanted to make it a little special. So it wasn't just a bunch of crap you can see on the internet. Um, so I, I, um, 
I filmed myself uh, telling the audience to check under their seats and take out these remote controls and vote on what videos to watch. And <laughs> none of this stuff was in the theaters. And, <laughs> and that's available on our YouTube channel right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you can watch yeah. that too and feel like you're in the theater with me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we've put out a good amount of stuff lately since year of the snake, uh, a month or so ago, mm-hmm. Ryan, what'd you think about ago. the extravaganza? Oh, I, I loved it. That was a really fun night. No, yeah. um, I got to meet this kid who did illustrations of all of us, mm-hmm. this, uh, really cool original work. Uh, I got a couple of Facebook friends, folks <laughs> who actually followed up with me after the fact, nice. I got to give you guys your Christmas gifts after the fact. <laughs> actually. Yeah. Let's, what, what did we all get for our Christmas gifts? We right. got, uh, we got paired gifts. You you gave both you Correct. gave both of us bags, uh, containing at least one record, Gifts. <laughs> at least one RCA video disc, mm-hmm. not a laser disc, not a, a laser disc, a video format. disc. <laughs> I actually I was I was showing it off. You gave me um, the Ten Commandments on video disc. Correct. And I was showing it off to other people at, at the bar with us. Um, how you can take it out and on the inside, instead of a laser disc, it's not like a shiny reflective mm-hmm. surface. It actually looks like a record because it's actually grooved. It's like, I don't know what it's made of, but it's mm-hmm. like there's grooves. It's in really it. interesting, it's, isn't it's, it? A needle takes the data off the disc like a standard audio record and turns it into video, which I think is like magic to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's what I really like about those discs. Thank you for thinking of me and Kevin. What was, what was the movie you got? I don't even remember. I just remember the book that we each got. We both. What got, kind of books did you guys get? We both got books <laughs> written by attorneys. No, mine's written. Mine's by an attorney. Yours, Mr. Dershowitz, okay, is an attorney. Yes. Mr. Both Furman, the former member of the LAPD. Oh yes, I'm oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. so yeah, we both got books written by OJ trial figures. <laughs> Neil got Alan Dershowitz mm-hmm. and Kevin got, uh, yes, that's right. Mark Furman, the racist cop the who almost... irrefutable racist, uh, current Fox news commentator uh, still geez. thinks he's right. Still thinks he's right. Uh, anyways. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I got, <laughs> I got Ryan for Christmas, a, uh, resident evil three t-shirt from 1999, which is in great shape. It was in really good shape. It's, it's in really good. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good bedtime t-shirt. I discovered it when I was in New Jersey at digital press video games and it was just an old promotional item that was in really good shape. And I immediately thought, Oh, it's a bit big, but I think Ryan will love this. And for Neil, I got a reprint of the creep show comic book that came out in the early eighties to coincide with the movie. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, creep show cool. is a comic book mm-hmm. on film. Mm-hmm. It's the first, I think, comic booky comic book movie yeah that really owns that it's a comic book well before the ang lee hulk movie yeah, yeah. um graphics and turn pages and zooming into the frame fun stuff like that. oh yeah and creep show is the first movie that the three of us watched together yep was it really in yeah. this very room we're recording no in, way yep. cool yeah and um so that was really yeah I, I held on to that creep show comic for like two months hoping that you weren't gonna buy it for yourself so <laughs> and i gave you um the uh, novelization of Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Yep. <laughs> Which, as Neil and I discussed this when we were getting um, falafels, I was curious as to how they would handle Hulk Hogan breaking the fourth wall into the context of the film. Mm-hmm. You'll just have in, to read it. <laughs> as LeVar Burton said, don't take my word for it. Read the book. You know in Gremlins 2, the home video version had a different scene? 
Yes. No way. I What's think they maybe it? even John made Wayne. something for the DVD. Well, so basically, John Wayne out, was alive. No, and he no. had to do. No, it's it's clips from old John Wayne. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. So for those He's of you who dead. have no idea what we're talking about, Gremlins Two, an amazing movie, comes out in theaters. You're watching the movie with a film projection back in 1990, and at one point the film comes off the register of the projector, and you start seeing the film burn up on the screen. And you're like, what the hell's going on? You think the movie burned up. It's screwed up. And it turns out the gremlins did it. The gremlins messed up the movie. Mm-hmm. It's part of the movie. They start doing like a pup, like shadow puppets and, and stuff. And then it cuts to a cinema somewhere where an usher walks up to people in the audience. The audience is like complaining. Like, What's going on? I, mean, I paid money to watch this movie. And one of the patrons of the theater is none other than Hulk Hogan. Back when he was a good guy. Mm-hmm. And well, he was, he, people well, he liked knew Hulk what Hogan. kind of guy. He, well, he, he portrayed himself as a good guy, and yeah. we were all buying it. Okay, yeah. Back when well Hulk Hogan put. was a universally loved guy, and Hulk Hogan takes care of things. He he sets the gremlins straight. <laughs> Yells at the gremlins. Like, hey, you got to put that movie back on like that. Yeah. yeah. And they fix it. The gremlins are intimidated by Hulk Hogan. Brother. They do it. Um, on home video, when it came out on VHS, um, Warner Brothers went as far as to change that scene. Mm-hmm. They made a version of the movie where the movie starts cutting out as if of tape got changed in your VCR mm-hmm. and other movies start playing. It's like other Wonder Brothers own films. And at one point it cuts to John Wayne in an old movie and some voice actor poorly dubs in now, oh, partner, you better put that gremlins too back on. Like it's something like that. It's really goofy. Yeah. Ryan looks skeptical. Like I'm, I'm going to look it up. <laughs> so the book, I think, so yeah, the book actually I, does have its own tailor made uh fourth wall. Breaking. Excellent. Definitely check it out. Yeah. Um, some fans Speaking made of John a DVD Wayne one. being dead, uh, I he he. By the way, what killed him was um, playing Genghis Khan. <laughs> Do you know this story? I'm listening. Go on. The, that movie was he where, injured on a horseback? No, uh, they filmed it near some radioactive material, and then oh. over the next thirty years, a lot of people involved in the production got cancer, including John Wayne. Wow, I did not know it's that. It's arguable whether or not a statistically higher number of people got cancer who worked on that film. So maybe it didn't really kill a bunch of people. A study was conducted, uh, perhaps? I or? think there was something where they, they had to get a bunch of sand for the set, so they shipped it from a test site or something like hmm. that. It was the 50s, and there were no regulations or laws. Wow. Hmm. I wonder if John Wayne, he probably smoked. In his, I mean, yeah, no, I don't think he was a healthy. He looks pretty cool. He man. probably yeah. smoked. <laughs> Well, anybody that cool must. <laughs> so that's Gremlins 2. What have we been taking in recently? What has been your media current? <laughs> Pause for the sound effect. <laughs> Is it a Ryan, you, what Ryan, what have you been watching lately or reading lately? Or? Well, uh, as we discussed earlier during our prep meeting, or as I like to call it, lunch, uh, we're not going to talk about Star Wars. It's not productive, it's not thoughtful, it's not useful. We have a lot of conversations before the podcast about what are we not going to talk about? Okay, let's not talk about Harry Potter, let's not talk about Star Wars. <laughs> if you'd love to hear about Star Wars and The Last Jedi, you are listening to this in January of 2018. There are many other wonderful podcasts you can listen to. <laughs> and I don't want to be all Don Draper about the letter and all that stuff, but yes, you can go listen to any of them. Uh I saw three billboards um, with, yeah, with Francis McDermott 
and uh, Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell, who I don't know if you guys saw, just kind of messed up more than a little bit on SNL. He dropped an f bomb mm-hmm. during first time ever on SNL. It appears to be a genuine mistake. He was not trying to become the buzzworthy story of the night. Yeah. He's Which just f bomb. <laughs> the fun one. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, say fuck on this podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. But... Oh, fuck! Right, no. yeah. <laughs> Jeez. No, no, well, because he's not supposed to say it on live TV. He was, do- oh, no, he was yeah. doing a skit where he's supposed to be Mr. Wizard, basically, teaching very dumb kids how to, like, make volcanoes. Okay, you know. In the context of him <laughs> Mr. Wizard would totally say fuck on live TV. So. <laughs> exactly. That was the joke, yeah. Okay. He said, you can't be that fucking stupid. Like, that was, like, the, the gaff. It's pretty funny. I watched it. It appears he made an honest mistake. And, yeah, he was not trying to become a a. a buzzworthy story he just was excited to be on snl and uh he, he's worked in stage and television and film and he's probably just been allowed to drop to say fucking whenever it feels comfortable because because why not because he's a f- professional actor and a grown man and mm-hmm. oops so i hope he's not on the blacklist of who cannot be back on snl but time <laughs> will tell who is that? Is that Sinead O'Connor and... Uh, Ellis Costello. Yeah. Adrian Brody. The list is interesting. Oh, well, yeah. Is Frank Zappa blocked for some reason? He was on it, but I don't. I think he was just on it and just passed away before he could be on it again. What did okay. you think of uh, Three Billboards? I thought it was good. I thought that every actor in the role did their job. I'm mm-hmm. not going to go into the plot too much because it was good enough that I'd recommend it. Anybody yeah. listening at home, go see it. Yeah, sure. They're all Oscar-worthy actors and actresses. Uh, this was not just Oscar bait. Yeah. Um, I liked that Sam Rockwell's character as a dipshit local cop, his mother was the actress who plays Mac's mother on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who... Um, not a polite term. She's got a face, <laughs> and she she deserve. If she gets an award, she earned it. Um, it's re- it's real good. I I'm I'm a huge Francis McDormand fan. Uh, I I saw it uh, like a week after it came out, uh, just because I didn't want anything spoiled for me. And the the kid from uh, the the creep brother from Get Out yeah. plays a very uh, just. Mm-hmm. It was good to see him in something. He was an arc. He was Archangel in the X Men, and he mm-hmm. was in Get Out, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, I do not know the actor's name, other than again citing the fact that in Get Out he looks a lot like uh, the wonderful character actor who portrayed with Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and he was also Chucky, and he was also <laughs> uh, we warm talked about this guy yeah, before. Yeah, um, Brad Dorf. Yeah, Brad, Brad Dorf. Dorf. Thank you. Yeah, but, Thank you. We talked about him on um, uh, a previous media current because he was in uh, The Exorcist 3. Played a crazy oh, person. Yeah. Oh, wow. Get the uh, get that guy. Um, the, well, he's great. The, yeah, but he's not in a real movie that we're actually talking about three, right Three now. Billboards is one of those movies that like the plot is good, but it's simple enough that the acting and the general filmmaking and atmosphere of the movie do a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. So to give away anything that happens or doesn't happen in the movie would be unfair. Um, but yeah, it's a very approachable script. It, it feels kind of like a post Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, a like good way of thinking of it. Yeah, uh, and uh, who, who directed it? I, it? I don't remember. No, I don't know. Young director though, I think. Hmm. Uh, and who? Who? Uh, watch it be like Spielberg. Who? Uh, what's the name of the, the? Everyone loves the guy. The guy from Game of Thrones and X Men: Days of Future Past. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage is in the movie. God, I uh, forgot. Yeah, I he's, forgot yeah, he's, he's real good in it. Yeah, like I love, I loved his character. I, I mean, I, I'm just saying, I like all these things. But yeah, Rockwell kind of steals the movie. Um, Francis McDormand has been one of my favorite actors for a long time, and uh, I was glad to see her in a leading role that was uh, 
just approachable. I don't know anyone who shouldn't watch that movie over the age of 16. <laughs> it's not for kids. <laughs> well put. Yeah. Cool. So I, uh, my current, I mean, my media current, I guess we're calling it, um, was a uh, graphic novel. I don't often, I'm married to a graphic novel artist, but I don't often read graphic novels or comic books um, or any books, really. It's just been a long time since I've gotten through a book because of modern society, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I borrowed a, I borrowed a Tetris, The Games People Play by Box Brown uh, from my friend because uh, I saw it on her bookshelf and I thought, oh, I'd read a comic about the creation of Tetris. That sounds like the kind of thing I'd be into. Well, comrade, tell us all about it. Uh, it was good because I was... <laughs> Because if you remember, I did a video about Tetris in Game Boys. Correct. And uh, the twist of that movie was um, that uh, the, the Russian government was angry at Japan for swiping Tetris from them. And uh, they got revenge by placing bugging devices inside of Game Boys. But I didn't really do any real research for that video. So I didn't actually know the story or whether Japan had actually stolen Tetris from the Russians or, or anything. Um that's not how it works, but what I what I loved about the book was, and I don't know how intentional you can be with this when it's based on a true story, but it must be intentional because uh, the beginning of the book is all about the history of games um, and why people play games and what it does to their brains. And then the second half of the book is about the game of monetizing Tetris, basically. Uh, most of the characters are business people um, or middlemen who are just trying to make who are trying to insert themselves as the go-between but between the guy who invented tetris who doesn't care about making money because he lives in a communist society um he has no expectation of making money off his game and um the burgeoning video game market uh with uh, nintendo becoming huge and ms dos becoming huge um and just and like arcades all, still being viable enough yeah and all yeah. All, all of these players basically trying to make a buck off of this game and fighting over um the lineage and who signed mm -hmm. what contract and stuff and it gets pretty convoluted and you don't necessarily have to follow it exactly for it to be interesting sure it's more just about like watching what a big clusterfuck this very simple very pure mm -hmm. uh piece of art that yeah. was the original tetris game uh, you know, became. Did he design it for as uh, educational purposes for children, or was it? He worked at a, um, I think it was a maybe an artificial intelligence lab or something. It was it was sort of like uh, a lot of early games. You know, they'd come from a college or something. You know, they'd come from a college computer lab where it's just people making stuff on the side for fun. A lot of like early text adventures were the same story. And this guy did this in his spare time because he was just a nerd working. You know, working a regular job in Russia um, and it spread through his office and then through probably early internet. I think people would, you know, yeah. grab it. Um, and you, it just made it. You said there's a discussion about the early day, like the infancy of like the video game market. Like is Ralph Bayer talked about it all or um, it, it talks about the history of Nintendo Okay. Uh, because, because so much of the story revolves around Nintendo getting the game on game boy on game boy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it talks about the guy who invented Game Boy. It talks about how Nintendo started as a uh, gambling yep. card company mm -hmm. and then a toy company later. It's funny because video games are becoming gambling companies. Yeah, now. they're <laughs> returning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
but no, it's a, it's a really cool. It packs a lot of uh, info into a really short read. Did the people trying to pitch him to sell his product? Was there any? Are there any hints as to the inevitable fall of the Soviet Union? Of like, you should probably have a safety net, or was he not even thinking of that? Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, um, well, because I'll, it, it, I'll does, it. it does Sounds follow cool. the post. The, it does follow him into the nineties and sure. what he did after afterwards but cool. um yeah it's a it's a cool book um it's totally it was totally up my alley because infotainment uh, you know, i'd say it's worth noting stuff. of uh, raise obviously everyone in the everyone in the room is raising their hand or sure they are why not but um for those of you at home i, I unless you you have google at your fingertips because you're listening to this on a mobile device or a computer i know the name tetris and i couldn't tell you who wrote it yeah couldn't tell you around 2004 i want to say a fellow named jason rubin uh, one of the original heads of Naughty Dog uh, was at a conference. I want, I, I think it was E3 and he was just giving a talk like he did one every year. Or so um, at that, by that point he had been the face behind crash bandicoot one, two, three and crash team racing uh, Jack and Daxter one, two, and three um, very well-respected video game developer. And he basically came out and gave an hour talk. You can find this on YouTube uh, it's been bootlegged on how directors of video games get no credit uh, and that it's the only entertainment market that at that point in time really wasn't giving people their due credit because publishers and distributors were trying their damnedest to keep faces and names away from the product because they didn't want their talent to become celebrity status mm-hmm. why would you want to have a stephen king when you can have a ghostwriter like because it's that's why they change voice actors and cartoons every time there's a new show because kevin conroy has played batman now since the 90s right mm-hmm. and every time you make a new batman thing if kevin conroy doesn't play batman it doesn't do as well they yeah. have to pay to get kevin conroy and he knows he's worth the money and he is worth the money. He's great. Um, but Jason Rubin basically gave a huge talk on that. You can find it. And then about a month later, he left the industry. Hmm. <laughs> he just, yeah, he said, I'm done. I've made billions of dollars for people and people don't know my name. You know, like I, I so, and a lot of people were feeling that people know Mavis Beacon's name, but like, but, but just, um, if you seriously think back to like 2004 and five, like uh, video games, even by then were more fiscally successful than film. And, and music combined. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you have to check my numbers, but there's definitely a line graph around then where video games were just killing movies and music. Tetris is a great example of, you know, we all like video games to varying degrees in this room. And none of us really could tell you like who, who made Tetris. Like, and, and, I mean, it's, it's crazy mm-hmm. that um, something so fundamental um, and so ubiquitous in terms of entertainment, everyone knows Tetris. Uh, it's like uh, people who yeah. don't play video games know Tetris. Exactly. Super Mario Brothers. Of course they do. Mario became Mario's creator. Miyamoto became yeah. a little more of a household name about 10 years ago. I want to say. Uh, yeah. I feel like a lot of the Nintendo fandom has made the effort to kind of elevate certain creators to celebrity status. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because the early days there were creators to some degree there were a lot of, uh, to go back to like the text adventure era, there were sure. a lot of Infocom games where the author, because be, because they were interactive they were, novels, I mean, they there were would be an author's too, name. Self-publishing too. And also stuff like Sid Meier's uh, Civilization games and stuff. And that like, stuck out though. Because they put the guy's name on the cover, you know? He put his name on he the cover. He put his name on the That's cover, the but they were published yeah. games. So like True. There, there were times in the history where they kind of experimented with, well, what if we do give a game an author and we kind of play off of I, yeah. uh, an author's success? I think the auteur 
phobia, mm-hmm. I guess you'd call it, has dissipated in the last couple of years. Because uh, I could definitely name you name you like 20 video game directors now. And I could not have done that 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, or even names just like that, like the Housers, uh, Albert Rockstar, or uh, Mark Cerny, uh, who did Marvel Madness. And I think all. Twitter has changed that a lot too. But there's also definitely now at conferences, they're putting the directors on stage. Yeah. Like, if, like when new Insomniac game comes out, you'll see Ted Price come out and he's the head of that company and he'll announce like here's our new game here the, the, the 80 of us made this game i was know? actually thinking that as of uh just this week and last week my facebook feed has had a handful of strange and intriguing ads for the new metal gear game and yeah. i for like yeah hideo kojima could leave a company based on his own namesake yeah. and ask for more money from another publisher so, sony basically studio pick, like picked him up after the last metal gear solid game mm-hmm. and it was a huge deal it was like a draft pick <laughs> exactly and the studios don't want to lose they don't want you to be a big enough name that you can go on your own name well because video games up until only recently were viewed as such e- either very technical or just toys either it was software or just a toy for a kid and it was really only in post playstation 2 world that you started hearing like well you can clearly make art here uh, people were saying that before, but not mainstream voices. You know, you weren't getting Larry King saying that. Um, well, um, for my media current, once a month, there's this amazing event at the Brattle Theater called Trash Night. I don't know if I've brought it up on the podcast before, but once a month, uh, this organization will show a really bad movie at, at this great theater in Harvard Square. And they invite people to come out. You pay your seven bucks. You get your popcorn and beer. And you just watch a terrible movie and they edit in commercial breaks and what have you to keep the entertainment flowing. Because a bad movie can sometimes just be boring and slow. Mm-hmm. And uh, Neil and I have gone pretty much every month the last two years or something. Ryan, you've made it a, gone a handful of times. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's really fun. And this it's not just watching the movie in silence, by the way. You're yelling and oh. screaming at it. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Um, a good audience makes it. Mm-hmm. We, we've had one or two bad months, but like it depends tracks, on where you're or, sitting. If you're just if you're right behind someone who's not funny, then it's yeah, kind of loud. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's the overall theater experience is always pretty fun. A, a lot. Most of the movies are from the late '80s to mid '90s. Yeah, they do a great job of not picking well-trodden films. I think there's yeah. a lot of bargain bin like terminator ripoffs terminator ripoffs and like robot cyborg action guy movies matrix parodies yeah yeah like well the one they showed this month was actually on my birthday Mm -hmm. i turned 31 right on my birthday they showed a movie called cool dog Mm -hmm. from 2010 um this is your pick this is my pick okay (laughs) uh because i had a really good time watching it it was super funny uh it's uh a movie about a boy who lives in Louisiana. Louisiana. And he's got this dog that he can't bring with him when he moves to New York City with his dad and his stepmom. Now, I, I'm his dad's just the best. His dad's handsome. His dad's in his mid-40s, and he has a good job that's bringing him to New York City. Now, it's unfortunate he's got to go to New York City because that's where all the liberals live. That this movie—that's kind of the tone of that's the, the movie. tone of the yeah. movie. I'm not like I don't. These are not. They don't outright say it, but it's like played as such a. Is it like oh, you'll be no. a bad person if you end up growing up there? Like, yeah, it's it's a shame we have to go to New York City. Is like a line of the movie. From much. Louisiana, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like oh, they don't okay. have dogs Louis- there. Louisiana, <laughs> they don't have dogs no, for real, for real, for real. That's like the sentiment of the movie. In the opening oh, five ten minutes of the movie in Louisiana, there are seriously like two hundred American flags, and all the bad news about moving and how you can't bring the dog comes out of the mouth of the mom the stepmom the stepmom but the mom the woman mm-hmm. in the family 
gives while all dad the bad is just kind of gr- like grimacing and the the like, dad the dad is always there for the good news always like looking sympathetic um the movie definitely has a bit of a sexism thing going on <laughs> it's funny it's basically a movie about a dog getting from the south all the way up to new york city it's this kind of a homeward, amazing it's like a solo homeward bound where he doesn't talk you know yeah the dog can drive okay. cars the dog actually steals a boat at one point mm-hmm. in the movie while rap music plays while rap music plays and sails saves a cup, the boat saves Sounds a like a guy, pretty cool dog plays banjo plays piano <laughs> um yeah this is a live act he's a golden retriever right yeah no he's it's a, a german oh, shepherd oh sorry no but it is live oh, action okay. the movie looks like it was made 96 but it came out in 2010 mm-hmm. on top of the weird sexism because it's not just the, the stepmom there's like other characters too there are all the bears of bad news or women um i know you might think i'm reaching watch the movie i'm not crazy right like it, oh yeah it's there it's, it's weird a- <laughs> um the other thing about this movie is the movie is a christ allegory Yes. The entire now I'm Neil, call me out. You're my friend. Tell me if I'm full of crap here. The entire purpose of this movie was to make a movie you could show a kid. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, the kid would go, Man, that dog was cool. And then the parent who showed the kid the movie oh, no. could go, you know who was real cool? Oh no. Jesus Christ. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't know. I I'd be surprised if any parent really did that. I'm not. I don't think any parents would be paying close enough attention to The whole to movie's cool an dog. allegory to Christ, right? The whole thing. I think that parent, the parent who would do that, wouldn't even pick up on it. No, but, but, but isn't the, the conceit dog, of the script? The, like, like, he helps the homeless in, like, there's... Yeah, a, I think that's there, but I don't think the movie does a good enough job of really selling it. Does like, the, the dog, dog die the and dog come back in three days? The dog does die at the end and then comes come back, back to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 well, yeah. because earlier in the film, okay. they, they, they established that the dog loves Twizzlers. Yeah. And then he puts a Twizzler next to the dog, and the dog smells it and comes back to life. Yeah, but there's a lot of subtle things... How does a dog die? Do they crucify a dog? It actually yes. is... It <laughs> no. was Okay, so there's another thing about this movie. It came out in 2010, which means it was probably written in like 2008 or 9, right? Because they probably made it in like two months, right? Yeah. Um, the finale of the movie is staged very similarly to the end of The Dark Knight, where a bad guy has a kid held hostage, and the dog is Batman in this analogy. The dog dives at the bad guy, who's like a sea captain. Yes. A weird surly sea captain who, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the he's, dog, he's, yeah. they're in a warehouse, they fall over a ledge, and the dog falls like two stories and dies from the fall. And like I remember sitting there going, come on, 2010? This kind of looks a lot like the Dark Knight. <laughs> it, you have to see it. Like It's not like... It's not like the Bark Knight. <laughs> does, does the dog like fall in water and get baptized? No, the Twizzlers bring him back. Yeah, no. It's, oh, before it's really, he dies. It's just a good I mean, dog that hangs out and helps the homeless, and then at the end you think he dies, but he do, he doesn't. A lot of movies do that. but <laughs> they will do that specifically. That exactly. I know what you mean. Like, a lot of dogs have a, a lot of films have a dog. Again, he may not be divine, but we believe he is a good dog. He, he is, is a cool dog. He's a cool dog. I, 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 dog think it, I, think, I think you're... It's very easy to, to believe that it's a Christ allegory because it's a direct-to-video children's movie. And that's like the breeding ground for that sort of thing. Yes, it most and certainly fact, is. There's definitely an anti-city folk slant. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable movie about a cool dog. Yeah. <laughs> How many characters say the phrase cool dog without At least the... two. There's okay. one within the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like dubbed in, too. Like, like a, he... 
the the dog like gets a high five from some guy. The guy wearing sunglasses walks by in the background, going, "Man, that's some cool dog." <laughs> the voice sounds just cool like that. Uh, I, cool I, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna look this up in clips on YouTube, but I'm not sure if I can follow up with that. <laughs> sounds like a, on if I'm not seeing this in a group setting, it's a time investment. I don't think you could even find it. Brian. I'm gonna. <laughs> But yeah, that was cool, dog. If it's on the Pirate Bay, it has zero seaters. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Okay, this is from an article on can'tstopthemovies.com. I might edit this out, but this is a Christian film. It's subtle about it with a grace here and a prayer there, but it's definitely present. The film is just more open about characters praying and talking about God than you would normally see in a children's oh, film. Yeah, there is praying in it. Taking this into consideration, Christ. I will not sit idly by and I pretend that. that the filmmakers had no idea that they were doing what they did when they made this film and had its main character come back from the dead at the end. It fits, too. The movie opens on Mardi Gras, and that night it is revealed that Rainy will have to be left behind. That's Rainy's the name of the dog. Cool dog. He is then left on his own, where he travels the land performing miracles and is forced to overcome many trials. Does it take him 40 days and 40 nights to get to... I don't think so. He gets caught up in trouble. He does run through like a desert at one point, right? Okay. Does he talk to the devil or a mean dog? (laughs) At the end, he is granted a key that will let him go wherever he wants. Uh, So I, I think it's there. I think it's there. I think it's a dumbification of... The story of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, probably. I really think the conceit of this film is show it to a kid. That was and then a, a kid's cool like, dog. That was a good story. It's like, well, if you liked that, I, I got another story for you. I, I truly think that was why it was written. Some call it the greatest story ever told. <laughs> I, hope, I hope people don't think I'm being a joke. Oh, they here. should have called it like Jazzy Canine or something. JC, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. All right, we're moving on to this episode's quiz. It's my turn to do a quiz. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So my quiz this month is called the pop punk matchup quiz. So a little after my birthday, I had a party with some of my friends, uh, my buddies, uh, Tim, Dan, John and Anthony. And we decided we were going to play a bunch of old racing and extreme sport games from the late 90s and early 2000s. And while we did so, we made a playlist of old pop punk music. For those of you who weren't in junior high or high school around this era, let's say 1998 to 2005, mm-hmm. this, this music was like everything on the radio like it was as popular as taylor swift it was as more than that yeah the genre was huge um it was as big as r&b it was as big as uh it was like on par with britney yeah it was really big there were a lot of these bands a lot of number bands things like blink 182 uh green day to an extent um, there was just like a million of these bands and some of them are legitimately good i'm not saying this music sucks yeah some of it sucks uh, but while we were playing these games and like, you know, doing like a uh, jet moto and uh, Tony, Hawk, Tony Hawk. Yeah. Yeah. So over the last week I've had a lot of pop punk stuck in my head since that party. And I've been listening to it at the gym while I'm editing stuff. It's been stuck in my head, a lot of earworms. And I realized that you two probably have some of these stuck in the back of your head. So here's the game guys. I have four songs for Ryan and four songs for Neil. I will be playing 15 to 20 second excerpts of each song. I will play you an excerpt and then you have to tell me what band played that song. I'll give you four multiple choice answers. If you get it right, you get one point. If you name the song right, you get two points. If you don't get the name of the band right, your opponent can rob you of one point by naming the band. Is that another two points for a total of three? Just Just one. one. Okay. So if you rob a point, you can only rob one. So, 
We're going to start with Ryan here. I'm going to play you guys the excerpt, and we'll see how well you do. All right, let's ollie off this quiz, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ryan. Ready. Okay, I can't think we're good. That song was played by one of the following four bands. Was the band Flatfoot 56, Level 42, SR 71, or 10 Second Epic? And I should let you know, these are all real band names. Oh they sound really made up, don't they? <laughs> it was like Flatfoot 40 what? <laughs> okay, That's so one more time. I'm listening, yes. Flatfoot 56, Level 42, SR 71, or 10 second epic. If you get the band right, you get one point. I will say that um, uh, that song was terrible, and I'm going to go with B, level 42. Incorrect. Okay, Okay, Neil. It's either Flatfoot 56, <sighs> SR 71, or 10 second epic. I want to say 10 se- seven epic. Wrong again. All right. Well, what is the real answer? <laughs> the then? real band name is SR71. That was my second guess. And this song yeah. is called Right Now. Right now. And it's about how a guy wants to hook up with a girl right now and that she's not perfect, but she'll do right now. Cool. Neil, all right. <laughs> Let's hear. Do we know what SR stands for? I think it's the name of a jet. Okay. <laughs> it stands good. for... Uh... All right, so I now... Like, I don't have a joke. Okay, Neil, here's your first song. Boyfriend, he don't know Neil. <laughs> yes. Was that American Hi-Fi? The Get Up Kids? Alien Ant Farm? Or Flatfoot 56? <laughs> Wait, was was the previous one 56 or was it a different number? <laughs> no, all right, all right. I don't really know, but I'm going to guess American Hi-Fi. It is American yes. Hi-Fi. All right. Is the title Flavor of the Week? Now, this is very important. Yeah. Spell the last word. W-E-A-K. Good man. Oh, you get okay. two points. All right. You, you helped okay. me. <laughs> I get it. I would have given it to you anyway. I just wanted to have my fun. Ryan. Listening. You nervous? No. <laughs> <laughs> These bands make me nervous. They're so cool. Okay, Ryan. Yes. I really wish people could have seen your face during that one. <laughs> I apologize. I, I I can never understand what that gentleman is singing. Got a booty, the booty. Is that the Motion City soundtrack? Taking Back Sunday. Fallout Boy. Or Like Pacific. That's Fallout Boy, right? Correct. Okay. Who claim they're not named after the Simpsons character, which is then a what lie. Are they named? What could they possibly? <laughs> it's like when Alien Ant Farm said they didn't like Michael Jackson and they covered Smooth Criminals. Like what? I remember being annoyed by the Fallout Boy, by the Simpsons thing when I was a teen. Yeah. Because for that exact reason, like because 
I think someone suggested it to them as a band name, and they're like, yeah. "Well, that sounds cool." And they didn't know it was a Simpsons reference, and I thought that was so uncool for them not to know that. <laughs> okay, so Ryan, they had Google back then too, by the way. Yeah, Ryan, I, you could get one more point. I could now. Do you want me to play the clip again? Um, no, thank you. <laughs> what is the name of that song? I'm gonna assume it's called Downtown. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's. It, I'm laughing because it, those lyrics are so hard to understand because yeah. it's like cry singing, but it's we're going down. Which, oh, I know. Down, I, we're down, going down, we're down. down. <laughs> Not like That's Jerry and George in the diner singing down, downtown. Down. Okay. Gotcha. So, okay. Got so, it. Right, Neil. Yes. Sometimes I wish I was brave. I wish I was stronger. Wish I could feel no pain. Wish I was young. Wish I was shy. I wish I was honest. Wish I was him, not I. Cause I feel so mad. I feel so angry. Feel so callous. Okay. Okay. That, I had to cut that that short because I didn't want to get over 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. It has to be transformative. Neil. Yes. The act that performed that wonderful song. They were an act. Alkaline Trio. Boxcar Racer. Blink-182, or the All-American Rejects? I think it's Blink-182, right? Incorrect. <laughs> what? Oh, it sounds just like them. Now, Ryan. A little deeper. It, I, it, odd, I know, for that to be a description. So Unless there's we're... three bands it could be. It's either Alkaline Trio, Boxcar Racer, or the All-American Rejects. I'm going to have to say All-American Rejects. Incorrect. <laughs> Ooh. Now, this is a trick. Mm-hmm. Because Tom, I think it's Tom DeLong. Yeah, was in several bands. <laughs> yeah, the, he tried. He was tried, it Boxcar Racer? It was Boxcar yeah, Racer okay. because he tried to pull Beyonce and be in a few bands. I mean, I'm being reductive here, but he was in uh, Angels and Airwaves and all yeah, these other yeah, bands yeah. at the time because he knew he he was kind of the voice of the band. Um, but yeah, that was Boxcar Racers. I feel so. <laughs> um, in which it sounds like Tom needs a nap. Uh, <laughs> so. All right, we're at the end of round two, coming into round three with Ryan at one point, Neil at two. We okay. might end the game with the same scores. <laughs> so, Ryan, you ready, Freddie? Ready. It's a new day, but it all feels old. It's a good life, that's what I'm told. But Ryan is nodding. Was that Goldfinger, Lit, Icon for Hire, or Good Charlotte? I'm going to say Good Charlotte. That was Good Charlotte. Good man. Okay. Now you can get a bonus point. What the hell is the name of that song? I can't remember. Neil, I'll give it to you. If you got it, take it. Was it the anthem? It is the anthem. Do I get the <laughs> point? I don't know. That wasn't part of the rules. Do you want? Do, do we? I say yeah. That's fair. Okay. I'll take one point. Okay. I didn't guess the band. Yep. I would have, but it doesn't matter. Okay, Neil. Yes. You're up. The faster we're falling, we're stopping and stalling. We're running in circles again. Okay. I purposely made that a little harder because we're getting mm-hmm. towards the end. Was that some 41? Guttermouth, McFly, 
or the Ataris. This is a big single for this band. That's why I made the clip so brief. Yeah. Uh, like, it was super familiar, but I have no idea who it was. Is Better it, song, I gotta say. Is it the Ataris? It is not the Ataris. Okay. Ryan. Gutter mouth. It's not gutter mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it was some 41 in their other hit, In really? Too Deep. Huh. Okay. Next one. I keep almost saying the name of the band. Up next is... I, can't keep I thought there was that. That was like a little too creatively edited than I would think uh, some 41 would do. Yeah, I was never a fan. Even, even though I was like 13, I'm like, you guys stink. Right? <laughs> All right, so... Ryan. Well, it sounded like the beginning of like a cake song or something at first, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, I'm, you're, you're up next. Neil, can you do me a favor? We should have done this the whole game. Can you describe the looks on Ryan's sure. face as we play this thing? Because if I do it, you're going to hear the song. Ryan's smiling now. Okay, ready, Freddy? Ready. All right. Ryan, you're up next. This is round four. <laughs> Confusion. You gotta keep them separated. <laughs> oh, okay. God. Okay. Was that. It's the offspring, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. The, let I me just leave stole it. <laughs> All right, name the bands. Okay, is it The Offspring, <laughs> Crash Romeo, Eleven D Seven, or The Starting Line? The what? The Starting Line. The Starting Line. I've seen The Starting Line. Okay. Were they okay? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I was like, 16. I gotta stick with the. It's The Offspring. It is The Offspring. Ryan, you can get a bonus point. What's the name of that song? I can see the look in your face. You're imagining the song in real time. So in like 30 seconds, you'll be like. Uh, Macarena. <laughs> like you'll, you'll see the name of it. I am getting this song conflated in my mind with another one of their big singles, Pretty Fly for a White Guy, which I'm getting, which I, all I can hear is Weird Al's Pretty Fly for a Rabbi. I, but my Weird bro- Al actually that's did as a far as I'm of going. this song, too, that was live. What? I think it was part of a medley or something. Okay, mm. like a, one of the polkas? Okay. Um, Neil, I, if you can take it, take it. I hand I it. I can tell. I can tell you, it's called "Come Out and Play," right? It is called "Come Out and Play." Yes. Okay. I don't get that point though. That's. I mean, I. If you don't get that point, you don't get the other point from earlier. <sighs> can I just split? So the then difference? it would be three to two. If you didn't take the other point from earlier. Oh, Ryan's up to three now. Yeah. Okay, we're three to three. That's fair. I don't have to. Oh, now I'll take the point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Neil. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is the end of the game. Okay. Right now we're tied three to three. A bit of disdain. Gen- genuine thought. Honestly trying to get... Th- I heard multiple rabbit references. I don't know what this song is. Do you, do you want me to say the lyrics? Sure. Like Jessica Rabbit, she corrects bad habits. Mm-hmm. She gets her tricks for free. Mm-hmm. Animated vixen stole Cupid's arrow and came to rescue me. Okay. Was that Everclear, huh. Jimmy Eat World, Eve Six... Or switch foot. Hmm. I'm gonna. I'm. I have to guess, but I'm guessing Eve Six. It is Eve yes. Six. Oh, congratulations. You're not gonna get the name of the song, right? Like you look because you probably never heard. <laughs> no, but did they? Did they also do? Um, what was their other big song? They had a few. Uh, Inside Out. Yeah, Inside Out. Yeah, because they had kind of. They had a little bit of wordplay going for them. I think they were good. I've seen them yeah. twice. Uh, they're they're pretty good live. 
So Neil won. Yay. Four to three. Yeah. You guys did pretty well. Uh, I tried real hard to pick big singles for some of these bands. I absolutely tried to trick you with Blink-182. Yeah. I, but the thing is, I, you know pop music a little more intimately than most people, I'd say. Is that fair? By virtue of what you yeah. do, right? Well, I actually know I know a lot of Blink-182 songs because, you know, They're one great. of my best friends growing up was a huge Blink-182 fan. And I've just, like, been in the room while Blink-182 was playing for hours and hours. So I think Blink-182 is a legitimately good band. Yeah, uh, sure, yeah. yeah. I think they're pretty great. I, Travis, a great drummer. Mm-hmm. I, I think the funny thing about this era of music is that it's they're trying to sell very earnest, honest emotion, mm-hmm. but they're dumbing it down to get it on the radio, right? Because back in 1999, that was a viable way to make money, uh, was to sell your music on the radio and get CDs, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think... A lot of them are, I mean, some more than others are more, I think a lot of it's legitimately catchy. Um, like a lot of the stuff we played today, even some 41 who I don't like their big song, fat lip. You guys remember fat lip? Yeah. Fat lip is catchy. Uh, you know, and that smash mouth kind of way where you're like, I don't, I, I understand this is mechanically a good song. I just, you don't have to respect it, but the height of this genre, cause I'm sure there are pop punk bands right now. They're I'm sure the there are kids listening yeah. to them, yeah. and I'm sure there are still bands, not just these bands putting out, you know, older albums. I'm sure that there are pop punk bands, not just in like, you know, the greater Los Angeles area, maybe down south or, you know, right here in New England or New York, New Jersey, or I don't, Florida, <laughs> Florida, yeah, Florida, that adds up. No judgment <laughs> there, but I think you could read between the lines of how I said the state, <laughs> Florida. But you're right, they are a product of their times, not only 9-11 and the mate, but but the means by which the music was distributed when the the death of music videos when when people had MySpace before they had YouTube when you know they could find music videos on the internet but that was not the way you just when long before there was such thing as music videos on demand to go oh i wonder how that looks click done i, I think a lot i think music in general um is more democratized than ever Right now, we can listen to any genre, any type of band, any type of song we want by virtue of how much easier it is to produce and distribute music than it was 20 years ago. But that being said, the stuff that actually gets on TV and the radio, I mean, for wherever that's even worth right now, mm-hmm. it's all the safest bets. They Those all rose to the top. And um, I've heard people describe different sects of pop punk as like cowpunk. And things like huh, that, like okay. Everclear, I've heard described as that, or it's a little more um, Midwesterny. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell people like, no, you should like Everclear. You can hate Everclear. They're, they're, you know, they, they are what they are. I think it's a lot easier for me to say these things and defend them as someone that was at his most emotionally vulnerable when those bands were at in their heyday. Um, did either of you own any like Green Day CDs growing up or anything like that? Uh, no, I, I had no. a, I had a no doubt CD. That might count. They're more ska. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a little earlier. I think Tragic Kingdom is the one I was talking about. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything I liked, uh, Third I mean, there were like quote unquote punk bands from around the time that I liked. I was, I liked the living end. They were Australian sure. band a lot. Yeah. Um, saw about the album Dookie for the first time in a long time, actually. I like but it still. The radio stuff, even though I appreciated that it was catchy, it was just so um, 
omnipresent that it really annoyed me and I I, I didn't think it was super cool at the time yeah um, because I was a little hipster and (laughs) and uh, you had a chip in your shoulder about what was popular I did yeah Yeah. totally Um, not like not seriously like I probably would have gone to see one of those bands I do wish I listened to Jimmy World more when they were really blowing up Mm -hmm. I just didn't I never had that CD at that time I was like Foo Fighters are bust like that was kind of my musical taste I just got into Bruce as well and yeah what what was Jimmy World's first big single uh the middle okay You you know that one I'm it just sure. takes some time. Oh, that. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're for the best. I don't think yeah. you missed a thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought those. I think they're. I mean, I guess on one hand, I think it's easy for people getting into their middle age years to say, "Oh, music on the radio is better." Back when I was a kid, and I think you could make a real case for that. But I don't think music as a full scene is worse in any way than it was back then like like i think if you're into any type of music it's out there right now and it has to be very good to rise to the top through the likes of itunes and bandcamp and amazon and google and all that stuff right or even just youtube right um and i think that's okay you know i think that's fine but i I could see why some people might have that resent of oh music was better when i was younger because if you turn on the radio it's it's all sped up like top 40, you know, and a lot of that, I, did, does pop punk get played on like classic rock stations yet? Like is 92, nine playing that stuff? Not really, but yeah. it's not impossible to hear that. Yeah. I it, bet Eve six is on there sometimes. I bet the inside out song is on. Right. Yeah. I'm sure they're, they're transitioning from eighties and nineties to nineties and two thousands mm-hmm. for the oldies stations. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. stations have, but some stations are more, yes, are little bit by little bit. The yeah. stuff that really feels nineties probably has a, an advantage there. Can probably squeak its way in a little ahead of the curve. Like hoodie and the blowfish kind of stuff. Uh, I've heard I get knocked down played not ironically hmm. on the, on the it, for people who you're, you're absolutely right, Kevin, about, a lot of these pop punk bands, when they would have been radio hits, because they were, yeah. they were on the radio, were things that the uh, publishers and distributors and record labels were perfectly fine with a big chunk of the demographic clicking past that to another radio station. Yeah. Today, yeah, you're right. There's too much competition with the radio. They safe. never want you to click to the next station, no matter yeah. what it is. Yeah. Therefore, they have to get... You're right, lowest common denominator. The fact that there was a time and place when they could have a... It was a bold a move station. to be. This would be... This is for a specific niche. Like it or leave it. Yeah. And they could do that. Yeah. Uh, I was actually thinking... I was going to mention earlier that dirt for current media... Uh, I've been listening to St. Vincent's album that came out in October, Mass mm. Seduction. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's solid. It's as good as her last ba- album. It's one of her best, if not her best. She's pretty cool. I have never heard her on the radio, and I never will. Yeah, It's, it's really too bad. Sure. She had a huge record release. She has a ton of money promoting this album. She directed she a all- film. She well, did. A segment of a film. Uh, yeah. Of XX. Um, she clearly has millions of dollars behind her for the tour, for the promotion from her record label, but she's just never going to be up there with Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. And that's a shame. I think that's it's a, never going to happen. I think it just says more about the radio, right? That the, like, what is yeah. the radio now? Like in a post, everyone's going to pirate CDs world anyway. Like, um, it, I was, there was a, there was a twinge. I was thinking about the album recently because I was thinking about current media and the album is strong. It's solid. It's a good album. Yeah. She's this great. might be the peak of her career. Mm. 
is never being, for lack of a better term, an A-lister. And that would be a real shame. Dude, what was you guys might be able to correct? We, we should get through this into the the uh, Q and A soon. But can someone correct me? Bono came out and said something recently about how like pop, like mainstream music, is sort of a girls' club, and people got really angry at him. Like, what did you hear about I, this? No, I didn't no, see no. Okay, this. if none of us read it, we shouldn't talk about it then. Because we'll. Just I will say, I almost Instagrammed this week because I was buying a cake. <laughs> for uh, a co-worker's going away party mm-hmm. and I was about to make uh, I couldn't help but notice I passed through I perused through the magazine aisle of the grocery store and I saw oh it's the uh, first handful of weeks of 2018 and the cover of Rolling Stone magazine is Bono I'm so glad you boys and girls have your finger on the pulse of 2018 because I was just thinking about Bono What's well, who buys magazines people yeah. that like are still listening to Bono. <laughs> yeah. like, Just Bono. That's like why country <laughs> I know radio mean. stations are so popular. Yeah. yeah. Are magazines yeah. the radio of book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gross. Yeah. Again, because we're talking about the radio like it's some golden standard, but like I don't know who listens to the radio. I mean. Or who gets music videos made anymore. Like, Yeah. I mean, you can make a music video. It's not that hard. Well, there's like a, there's like a bell curve. Like there's basically people at the top mm-hmm. and at the bottom make music videos. And then in the middle kind of a big question like how much money are you gonna spend on your music video you know yeah there's other things you can be doing that are more effective like tour yeah right? yeah or is the label gonna pay for the video to promote you not you paying out of pocket to promote you exactly or are you gonna kickstart your fans into buying the you know the equipment to make the video mm-hmm. so, i'm sure right now if they ask hey neil young for your third greatest hits album of this decade um do you want to do a video with like footage of you from the 70s he's probably was no it's a lot of work <laughs> and no I'm, i don't want to do that the, the last like stupid. 10 bruce springsteen music videos have been him in the studio recording the song or mm-hmm. him on stage performing the song because he ain't got time to do it's, a exactly video. Like, do you want to sit down and go over concepts like i no thank you how about i just play the song that's a younger guy <laughs> That's a younger person's game. Every year or two, OK Go is going to make a new song. I don't know if there's an album, uh, but they'll have a, <laughs> Funny they'll have a new song with a new video, and the video will be very innovative. But nowadays, all their videos are sponsored by a product. Yep. Um, that was disappointing. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't think it's... It's it's weird. Music videos, to a a good amount of music videos are at the end of the day commercials mm-hmm. um, to make the band look cool. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, they're absolutely, and I think more now than back then, there are people who just make music videos for the sake of expressing their art, right? There are great music videos. I love music videos more than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, don't go back and watch the pop punk videos from some 41 and, good charlotte and stuff there's there's some stuff that's just uh yeah maybe that's why music videos died what were you guys listening to when you were 13 rage against the machine i'm sorry they hold up they're good is like zach to the roach like a joke and i don't know like is there, am I, i'm probably out of the loop like i think they're good yeah i i don't know what zach did i don't know what he's doing right now <laughs> selling beanies when I, I when i was 13 i was just getting into music and I think I glommed onto like new wave and stuff pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, and that, that stuck with me. Um, Were you still listening to Bare Naked Ladies? Uh, yeah, actually, um, yeah. I liked Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, I know I followed them for a while actually, um, mm. and like they might be giants was around that time. Yeah, when I was getting they're kind they're kind of pop punk, a little ska sort of, right? 
they're their own thing. <laughs> they're their own thing, but they are listed as an influence for a surprising number of those bands. Like mm. Blink One Eighty Two was in a documentary about They Might Be Giants. Mm. Yeah, I um, could see that. Yeah, um, just because like the way they wrote songs and like the sure. like, brevity of them. They have a new album out as of recently. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I just listened to it. Yeah, Is it good? Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. They're you know they're like in their late fifties now, and they they have. Uh, not always, but they are capable of doing very serious music. Yeah, um, uh, which is which is interesting to to hear from them. You know, when I saw that they're pitching and promoting a new album on Facebook, I put on my "They Might Be Giant" station on Pandora and the hopes of every now and then hearing one of the new ones to mm-hmm. give it a you know to sure. give it a taste. They had a new album like last year too. Wait, they, really? Or oh, like damn. before? That's or good. They, they're like as prolific as ever. It's pretty cool. Great. All think, right. I think I think when it comes to the pop punk stuff, I think Green Day refutably. They have great stuff. Like, not all of it, but there's like, like I went back and listened to all of Dookie last week. That's a good album. I I, I, I think it's a well-written album. Um, I didn't listen to it back in the day at mm-hmm. all. I, I listened to uh, Nimrod. <laughs> that was my Green Day album back then with the Nice Guys finished last. I think Blink-182, I put them up there with the replacements. I think they they found a a smart way to talk to teenagers when they were not teenagers, when they were like 30 like and they were pushing 30 and they were still making stuff that really made sense to teenagers yeah. in a way that wasn't just pandering like certain emotions. I think it's also because there, there are varying degrees of great musicians in Blink-182. I think they're all at least good at something. Um, and as far as the rest of the pack of pop punk, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's people out there who are music enthusiasts who would tell me like, Oh, how dare you throw Everclear into that mix? I'm like, Oh, it's funny. <laughs> we're, we're trying to be reductive for the sake <laughs> yeah of they life. were a little they preceded it a little bit right they were kind of I they always, were they were post green day well yeah but i i always pre-99 i always thought of them as more in the bare naked ladies school of radio rock okay yeah yeah um, they like am radio was like not not like one week bare naked ladies but like uh the old gordon yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. yeah that's fair so every episode we do a question and answer segment and we pull all the questions from our Patreons and our Patreons only over at guaranteedvideo.com. We put up a post the week before the episode and we ask everyone any questions they might have for us. So Evil Twin asks, what are each of you guys Zodiac signs and do you identify with them? I'm a Virgo. Um, almost was a Leo, but a little too late. Um I forget what the traits of Virgos are. Virgos are always paying attention to the smallest details and their deep sense of humanity makes them one of the most careful signs of the Zodiac. Ah, that sounds kind of like me, but that's the thing with, with (laughs) those traits is you could probably see that in yourself, no matter who you are. Ryan, how about you? I'm a Leo. Uh, no. And no, you're (laughs) right. I, I would be, I would love it if just one of them is, you know, Leo, August something something to early September or whenever the time frame is, you know, often have webbed toes. <laughs> something specific that you could measure or like their molars fall out, but not the front teeth, you know, stuff like that. A Leo is warm, action oriented and driven by the desire to be loved and admired. They have an air of royalty about them. <laughs> Again, no, you know, like a lion. <laughs> uh, I'm a Capricorn. Uh, and a Capricorn is the 10th sign of the year. Uh, Capricorn individuals are controlled, conscientious, and practical. I am not controlled. Um, I'm very extemporaneous. 
I often can't resist saying exactly what's on my mind, not because I'm some punk, but because I have self-control issues with the way I speak. <laughs> so I don't know if I identify with being a Capricorn. Well, there you go. Yeah. So the Zodiac has been debunked <laughs> yeah, by the new kids it. on the road. <laughs> so uh, Viva Reverie asks, I'd like to ask about how you do colored lighting. Stuff like in Mr. Basement, the mouth album colors, ah. and those Halloween photos you did. They all look super good, and I really dig the dark and creepy but vibrant vibe. Hmm. What kind of lights do you use? Do you have any recommendations? Or am I just an idiot and never realize you've always used colored cellophane over $5 lamps? If so, do you <laughs> yeah. use cellophane lamp tips? So... Those, those, all three things that that person mentioned are literally the same, like, four light bulbs that I bought at, uh... I think, actually, I got them on Amazon, but you can get them at, like, you know... Lowe's. Lowe's and stuff. Home Depot. We basically got colored light bulbs. Um, I have a few, Neil has a few, and th this is the thing, though, mm -hmm. is those lights in person might look blue and green and orange and red, but on camera, those lights show their true colors no pun intended they have <laughs> low cri meaning that blue and green to the naked eye in person on those bulbs look different they look like two distinctive colors mm -hmm. but the camera views them as kind of one blob because the lights aren't on unique enough wavelengths there's a science to it. you have to look up the definition of cri and all that it entails but um what you're supposed to do <laughs> is get nice, clean, high CRI lights like tungsten or LED or what have you and put, yeah, cellophane or gels over them to get distinctive colors. But the stuff you just talked about, like Mr. Basement, yeah, we just had those Home Depot lights backlit, you know, clamped onto the ceiling. We, we'd love clamp lights because they're fast. Yeah, that super fast. Yeah. Yeah. And those those bulbs, they're like halogen, like party lights. Eight bucks. They're eight bucks, but they are built like tanks. That's what I like about them mm -hmm. is I've had them for like years and years now and they're still alive and work. And mm -hmm. we've, you know, just thrown them in a box and stuff and they're hard to break. So that's, that's the plus. Back when we were like 20, I remember Ryan was a big proponent of the Sears lights. Those like works. the paint drying. Yeah. Indoor they to, they lit a room. Yeah. Now they, they, they had harsh shadows and harsh outlines, but th when they it had came like down grills to grills over them, that would cast shadows. Well, you can, yeah, I gotta take, here's you the were thing. Close to them. The grills. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great. The I'm grills are a very important safety measure yeah. that we chose to remove. Yeah. We those did, bulbs yeah. got dangerously hot. I think we shot Bigfoot begins with those. Yeah. I remember back then we, my, my, my family had a like tanning light or like uh, vitamin D light or something. Yep, I remember that. Remember that one? Yep. Mm -hmm. And we use I use that for lighting a lot too because it was very bright, very soft light. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. much better to fill a room for a human. Back then, yeah, well, back then our cameras but weren't that light. Outside. Our cameras weren't that light sensitive. So what yeah. we would frequently do. This is back in like 2007. We take our brightest lights take them like two feet away from a white wall in a room and aim them at the wall and not the people acting in front of the just camera bounce off just yeah. to make it the softest light mm -hmm. we could now um with say our newest video the daxter flaxter boston underground video yep. those are shot with these airy one by one led panels that are like super expensive like that, that's like a 1500 dollars lighting package they're great we though. did not buy them for the we were, my friend tom let us use them and uh thanks they, again, i think tom? it shows that yeah the color tom DeLong, Blake 187. <laughs> tom shallafor okay. tom is a shallafor uh the light's very clean nowadays if you're going to light something fun and creatively like that and you are in a budget yeah get the home depot lights just know you're gonna have to work in post to make that blue look more blue and the green look more green 
if you do have the money and you can spend like 70, 80 bucks, get some LED panels off B&H or Amazon and just get some gels for mm-hmm. like five, six bucks. Much cleaner, much softer. You can diffuse it because those like halogen bulbs get hot and putting plastic near them. How many times do we have plastic melt onto light bulbs back then? A lot, two. <laughs> Three or four times. Yeah. I will say, uh, not to yeah, not to sound older again or the kids these days, but I remember between 2013 or 14 when I got my first smartphone, I was absolutely shocked. It was grainy in low light, but I was shocked. I was so impressed with how well this dinky little camera could do under low light conditions because mm-hmm. low light on mini DV and other in most early digital formats that we used yeah. was a killer. Absolutely. Low light meant you were just done. Yeah. We'd rather be overblown than be low because we can't, there's nothing to work with. Video was notoriously difficult to light until probably 2010. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of people who are first starting to make videos, the kids, if you will, or if you're 30 and you're starting now, yeah, sure, go nuts, have fun. Uh, but, but if now, your first like, camera, but, oh, yeah. your first camera is for all in HD and it's in your pocket all the time. It's probably like a $400 DSLR or, yeah, your smartphone, which is what you were getting at. Yeah. yeah. Um, that looks better than the mini DV camcorders we started with. True. It really now, does. Just in the last couple of years with the Sony uh, A7S. You know, A7S. Um, you could actually reasonably light a small room with your phone. I it's, think you can. I, there are. The if you want to see how light sensitive those cameras are, go on Vimeo and just put an A7S moonlight. Oh, it's so cool. People shoot entire films with nothing that was but amazing. moonlight. It's incredible. And, and those cameras aren't that expensive. This is a body 800. Now you could probably get one brand new for close to two grand. Used okay. for probably about a thousand. Are there? I think they have probably. Uh, I don't know why I thought there were. So they much have cheaper. lower models that are still really good in low light. The right? A7S is the king, though. Yeah, yeah I have the A6000. That's okay. The S actually stands for sensitivity, right? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. Good question. Michael Kickin' Rad Corliss asks: You guys seem like you have opinions on video games. What's your favorite non-Sonic Sega game? <laughs> for me, it's Crazy Taxi. And Joe Shuttle had a rebuttal. <laughs> He said, I envisioning mentioning the S word around Ryan would involve a similar response as Chris Farley's Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals. Joe Shuttle had a rebuttal. <laughs> Good. I like that. So, Thanks, uh, Joe. N- Neil, should we even ask you this question? Uh, I, uh, Non-Sonic. Favorite Sega game? That's I, not Sonic. It's, uh, my guess for you, Aladdin. It's my well, guess. no, because I oh, am shit. familiar with the Super Nintendo Aladdin. Which is not as good. Uh-huh. It's not as good, but that's the one I know. I'm not a Sega guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what other Sega games are there. Well, why, why Ryan and I go? Because okay, we'll, yeah. okay. What, what do you think, Ryan? What's, what, it doesn't have to be Genesis. It could be any Sega Jurassic game. Park. Yeah. Original mm-hmm. Jurassic Park, where the T Rex's head comes out and says, is supposed Sega. to say Sega. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that, where you could play as Grant, who is a smudgy pair of khaki pants, <laughs> or the Raptor. The Raptor is more fun, mm-hmm. the Raptor is more mobile. Um, Grant is more challenging. This is Dr. Grant, the, the Sam. Uh, I almost said Sam Harris, not the right. Sam Neal, thank yeah. you. And I distinctly remember putting in cheat codes to go above and beyond levels to try and skip through to the end and um, kind of ruining my game save. It, mm-hmm. it ruined the game. <laughs> I got stuck in a point you can't get back. And my, I remember Sean, my brother, Sean, and I looked at it and like, you just, you broke it. You just you broke the $50 game. Turn it off and turn it on again and hope it, <laughs> hope it works. Hope the hardware And I think sometimes break. it didn't. I think yeah. sometimes it kind of, that's it. I think for me, my favorite non-Sonic Sega franchise, 
I I know it only got one game. It was also on Sega Genesis. Uh, it was Comic Zone. I, I really like Comic Zone. Uh, it's Help a, me out. I don't remember that one. It's a very difficult game. But basically, you were a guy named Sketch Turner, and you got sucked yeah. into a comic book of your own creation. And uh, you, it was like a like a fighting game hybrid with, I guess, an action art like platformer maybe and you'd go you didn't just go from left to right you could go down and right there there'd be unique pathways from panel to panel and every panel there'd be like either a puzzle or a fight you had to go through and say you got really good at the combos in the game because it was like you know a typical fighting game you could like drop kick an enemy and they'd go through the barriers between panels and comics and rip the paper you could hold down a button and make a paper airplane out of the paper the comic was made out of and throw it like a weapon um, sounds ahead of its time for a Genesis it, game. It was really cool, and I just wish they made one for the DS or smartphones or something. It just seemed like it was ripe for a return to a multi-screen device. Porting it to something, just a, well, just a new, Especially a new a, one, a new all one. Right. Um, cool. I mean, there was other stuff. I loved Vector Man. Um, Daytona was fun at the time. We were talking just about Sega stuff. My brother Sean and I loved the uh, Primal Rage on 32x in the Sega Genesis. <laughs> Sega makes very sense. specific right yeah. there. Neil, what do you got? You got anything? Uh, I was trying to. I was trying to look at like their arcade machines, like Afterburner or something. Afterburner's maybe. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, Afterburner. <laughs> Which was in Star of Terminator Two. Bulldozer asks concerning trilogies. According to lots of people, there seems to be a pseudo scientific rule that states the second part is always considered the best, while the third is considered the worst. Any favorite trilogies that disagree or agree with this notion? Well, the version I heard was first is the worst, second is the best, <laughs> third is the one with the hairy chest. <laughs> There's probably a rule for that somewhere. It's probably a movie trilogy that abides by that. <laughs> yeah. I... So what? any trilogies that the second one bucks the trend of dark is? Oh, sorry. Bucks the trend of the second one being the best. Most people would say Back to the Future 1 is the best. Yeah. I Two is my favorite. Two is my absolute favorite. Yeah, you can make an I argument. I get why people. I get why two wouldn't be necessarily a fan favorite, and yet one could stand alone, probably with on better on two more solid feet than three. They're all great. I love them. Two two had the least amount of time to cook in editing, and it also had to do the most heavy lifting to set up a third movie. One is a little more of just a puerile tale of hey, what if you hung out with your parents when they were your age? I just think two is so creative and funny. Uh, and cool. The future is cool. The car is cool. Um, Biff takes over. For Christ's sake. Imagine if that <laughs> happened. Uh, the Austin Powers trilogy is kind of a nosedive. Well put. Yeah. Do, a diminishing like two, right? return they on investment. People like two, though, right? I remember people liking two, but I think it's garbage. One yeah. is by far the funniest. One is the strongest parody film. Mm. For me, going back to my Rage Against the Machine days the matrix yeah matrix is another nosedive two and three have admirable ideas yes Mm -hmm. two is two could have been a weird part of a great trilogy and it's not yeah everything bad about two is all that's left by three and that sucks so there used to be all these trilogies that have been negated by hollywood being creatively bankrupt like die hard used to be a trilogy terminator was kind of a trilogy uh, when the pirates film, it's like it's gonna be pretty cool that we're filming two and three together. It's not. <laughs> I think. I think. Um. If yeah. Well, same well, with the Matrix. How, how many trilogies actually live up to that rule, though? Because I mean, I guess you got Star, Star Wars. Wars. Uh, the the Lord of the Rings, Two Towers is the best.
best of the three, mm. I think. Mm. A lot of people are going to crucify me upside down for that one, but fuck them. Mm. I don't even know that many trilogies. Toy Story's not going to be a trilogy much longer. Like, Indiana Jones doesn't follow that rule. People no, hate it doesn't. the second one. Yeah. I mean, hate is a strong word, but I, I don't like the second one. I mean, people, the Indian people That's hate another that movie that's not a trilogy anymore. Another series that's not a trilogy. Oh, oh damn, yeah. you're right. I didn't yeah. think of that. I mean, what other stuff is there that's like actually just straight up a trilogy? Like Freddy Krueger, there's like 10 of them. Not Terminator anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think Zack Snyder envisioned his Superman movies as a trilogy. Man of Steel, Batman, Superman, and Justice League. And I, it's crazy because you watch Man of Steel not realizing this is going to be the optimistic entry. <laughs> And then you go yeah. to Batman versus Superman is supposed to be the dark one. The second part of your trilogy <laughs> is opening an expanded universe. That's a weird move, but go on. Yeah. yeah well, just like it's weird because everyone thought I think everyone thought going into Batman versus Superman, they were going to lighten it up and they did the exact opposite. Um, oh, Godfather is probably one of the big. Everyone says the second oh, Godfather. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Third one that I works. strongly agree. Yeah. Strongly agree. The, the Blade trilogy. Blade. Most people would say that it's Austin Powers-esque, right? I, oh, I, oh, hey, we're a bunch of dummies. The Dark Knight. The, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the best one. Uh, yeah. Uh, would I you like, say Dark Knight Rises is the worst? I would. Batman Begins has a lot of momentum um, because yeah. it's coming out of uh, a bad time for comic book films. I haven't really rewatched one or three. One has one, one has a lot of good momentum and a good cast. Mm-hmm. The third one, I think, is directed better. I think someone gets a lot of grief. My only real issue is I think the nuclear bomb's a bit over the top for Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, just the in and of itself, Bane is fine. But, yeah, the pop culture zeitgeist has kind of soured me. On, well put. Uh, yeah. like you just. I believe like, we've been over Bane before on this. Yeah. Um, taking our time. I guess this. the original X-Men trilogy follows that rule, too. Oh, yeah. People like the second one the best, and For the sure. third one was gra- uh, crappy. Um, I wonder if uh, there's only so many permutations of one, two, three, one, two, three, like ranked best to worst. I wonder if um, it's actually just scattered randomly. There's probably not a lot of trilogies where the third is the best, right? Can you think of any? Sorry, the Man with No Name trilogy, which is a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Most people seem to believe the good, mad, the ugly is the best one, right? I mean, at least critics do. I've watched I the guess. good, mad, the ugly. It's just brought up the, the far editing. more often than a fistful of dollars. I haven't so. seen them. The editing's so, really good. Yeah. What about the old Mad Max movies? Everyone seems to think the second Mad Max was really good until they there made you a new go. one and it blew them all out of the water. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is uh, that's that's a rare fourth one is the best. Uh, I, I've i seen two and three of those, and I actually liked Beyond Thunderdome the best out of the old ones. Huh, really? I right, kind of cool. kept my attention. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Tina Turner. Yeah. If there were only three Tim Burton universe Batman movies, the third one would have been my favorite. The third one? Batman Forever is a better movie. film than Batman Watch and Batman. Again, man. No, I have. Batman Even... Returns is a bad script. I guess. It is a very bad story that just looks really good. Yeah. And has cool characters. It's cool. But Batman Forever is as entertaining as it gets. All right. What is good about the story of Batman Forever? Though? Well, because they, 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 they do the whole setup with Bruce questioning, like, like, am I just searching for a family when I'm trying to act like Batman? And then he sees what happens to uh, Dick. Is that his name? Robin. Yeah. Um, uh, the villains are funny. 
uh, and the way they're developed. Uh, I like Edward Nygma's setup. I'm not saying it's like this, like, tale as old as time. It's just, it's a story that's well told and it makes sense. The story of Batman Returns borderline is nonsensical. Like, it's like, there's like elements you vaguely remember. I've watched Batman Returns. Penguin runs for the mayor so he can get legitimate power. Mm Mm-hmm. It, 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 you're it, right. It's, it's it, sitting on watching it. Like there's a, there's this whole idea that they talk about in Batman Returns that oh the public has turned on Batman. That's never illustrated. It's just talked about once. Yeah. And then there's this image of like Batman falling once that comes out of nowhere and it's like oh Batman's failing for some dumb like it. Um, I don't hate the movie. I know I come off very critical about these things because I like Batman. The first Batman movie is good, but it's a little all over the place at times. The Prince music is weird. Mm-hmm. Um. Batman killing a lot of people in the first two movies is weird because um, it comes out of he nowhere. He kills him. Yeah, he goes he after the Joker him. with the intention just to murder him, like, which is weird. The Vicky Vale stuff never really landed for me. There's good humor there. Yeah. I mean, that's the Schumacher movies are just so much more annoying. The fourth There's one, the fourth one and the third one get looped. Away. The third and fourth one get looped in tightly together. Yeah. Um, but the third one is better. I, I just, I think... At the time as a kid, I loved the third one more. Mm-hmm. And I've gone back and watched I'm like, no, this is more entertaining. And I think I think it's okay to like something because it's entertaining. Yeah. Um the jokes land, the lighting is awesome. Val Kilmer's a good Batman. Do I hate to do you, do we have another question? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with trilogies. I'm a, yeah, I'm just not sure if that rule even I don't know. I don't think that rule works in a post cinematic universe. Yeah, I think the list of trilogies is actually getting shorter. Yeah, which is weird, right? We yeah. actively avoided, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back because, like we said earlier, because that's really what that question is about. Or, or, or even things like um, Di- Die Hard used to be a trilogy, and I think the second Die Hard's the most forgotten. Yeah. Until four and five, uh, <laughs> I like Die Hard three a lot. Um, All right, next question. Mark Paquette says Ryan has talked about his love of savers on the podcast prior. <laughs> What is the weirdest, craziest, most amazing thing that he or any of you found there or in any thrift store? Did we already talk about the New Kids in the Rock DVD popping up at we Savers? We talked about it at the at the screening we did. I forget if we've talked about I it. I don't believe we've ever discussed it on, yeah, on so the podcast. Neil, you found I it? I was looking through the DVDs at, at Savers and I found one of our DVDs there. One of the new kids on the rock DVDs that we made when we worked at Plymouth Rock Studios and we shipped probably a hundred of them or something out across America. And I don't know, uh, I'm not sure how Savers manages their stock, if it comes from locally or if it uh, all goes, everything you donate goes to a warehouse in Georgia and then they distribute it across America. But um, there it was, there was a DVD from Plymouth, returned to Plymouth. And I didn't buy it because I have a bunch at home. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was, that was pretty wild, seeing a cartoon of my own face. It's Ryan, like, anything crazy you've ever found at the thrift store? I feel- oh, great. Good, good stuff. <laughs> uh, well, I, I did not buy the, the little porcelain statue. Actually, not so little, but a foot and a half of Buddha with... I actually Instagrammed it because it was a lot cheaper than buying it. Yes, I know. For many hundreds, thousands of years, men and women of the Buddhist faith have acknowledged that what is clearly a swastika to everyone in the Western world. Sorry, wait, what did you find? A big swastika Buddha. Oh, okay. And I know that that symbol means something very different to people of the Buddhist faith, but it's a swastika. Let me try this again. If you love it so much, you can march down to Savers and buy it yourself. (laughs) But I bet you don't want it in your window, do you? I don't. I don't. 
Actually, one of the great things that I always check for at Savers, our Savers is pretty big and they've always had a pretty big book section. And unlike a lot of other thrift stores or like Goodwill or whatever, they have antique books there. They do. Um, some of them dating way back from like the 40s and 50s that kind of have their own section. I don't know if they still have this section, but it's pretty easy to find like 30 to 40 year old books and, and beyond there. And I've often just bought cool old like instructional books with like cool color illustrations in them because uh, you can't really find that stuff anywhere else. I got a hardcover of The Prince by Machiavelli f- published in the 1940s for a dollar or two. Mm-hmm. Some of these other questions are amazing, but I don't even know how if we could handle them extemporaneously. Should we save like, some for next time? No, or? we always get plenty. Great but like, some of them are just like some of them like we've already answered. Like, oh, how did the uh, the event go in January? Um, Great. Juliana asks, favorite pirate and why? Well, Giuliani. I, no. Juliana. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> Paisley. Um, favorite pirate? Yeah. I'm a Guybrush Threepwood guy from Monkey Island. Neither mm. of you guys have played that, but uh. not yet. <laughs> what about you? Actually, I've changed my answer. Barbosa. Yeah, Barbosa. Barbosa's awesome. pretty consistent. Agreed. <laughs> Every Agreed. delivery of him in those movies is amazing. Yeah. You know, changing my answer again. Jeffrey Rush, who is actually a pirate. <laughs> the <laughs> actor Jeffrey Rush is my favorite pirate. Should the actor Jeffrey Rush steal something in international waters? <laughs> Which I wouldn't. I'd, I'd let him. I'd let him. Uh, I don't. To, an- to give you a straight answer to a simple question, I don't know if I have one, but I remain intrigued by Javier Bardin's character. Uh, <laughs> I want to know what the film's like. I know it's got mediocre reviews. I like him as an actor a lot, and this isn't really answering your question. I'll throw but- you one. I'll throw you one. Tim Curry in uh, Muppets Treasure Island. Oh, there we All right. That's pretty... S- I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> and if at any point I change... No, no, I'm sticking with it. I, I really like the various pirates Brian Doyle Murray has done. Oh. Who is he on Flapjack? Captain Knuckles. Captain Knuckles is pretty great. He's born to play a pirate. Uh, yeah. He's in Cabin Boy, which is not good, but I think about it all the time. <laughs> this silly movie. Um, Actually, the pirates are great. It's him and um, what's the name of the guy from um, from Blade Runner? He's uh, the guy who gets Ryan Gosling. No, he's, <laughs> he's the he's the he's the very odd looking guy who yeah, um, he's gets like tripped partner. up by the turtle question. Yeah, um, I forget his name, but he's a great character actor who passed away, and he plays a sweaty looking pirate and cabin boy, and uh, it's a good time. There's um Treasure Planet has um, a fellow named Brian Murray who plays uh, Long John Silver. But the uh, thing is, it's uh, not Brian Doyle Murray. And that tripped a lot of people up for a while, including myself. I'm like, oh, Brian Doyle Murray's played like five pirates. <laughs> um, that's, that's a good also one. golf that's, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, pirates don't golf. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, we just talked about Monkey Island. Mark Hughes asks, this might only apply to you, Neil. What do you recommend for any good old-fashioned adventure games? I grew up loving Dave the Tentacle, but never really explored the genre too much beyond a few others. Um Da, 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 da. Ones I didn't care for include the original Maniac Mansion, Return to Zork, Hugo 3, and Jungle of Doom. He basically goes into how he thought they were a little too convoluted at the time. Yeah, well, uh, Maniac Mansion is is an early example, so like you kind of you need context for that one. And the other ones you mentioned aren't very good games. He, um, he likes uh, Sandy Max, by the way. Um, uh, the whole early LucasArts um, from, uh, I'd say, Loom. Loom mm-hmm. is a great game that's very easy to play even now um, because it 
at the time had a very simplified interface with no verbs. You just kind of, it was really point and click. Yeah. And you just entered in musical notes on a, on a music staff and they created magic spells. It's a really cool idea for a game. Um, uh, but yeah, all the all the LucasArts adventure games from that era are great. The Monkey Island games and the uh, up to full throttle and the yeah. dig is really interesting. At least I just fired up Dave the Tentacle on my Vita. Oh yeah, you have it. Yeah, it was a freebie on PS Plus months ago, mm-hmm. and I played through uh, Psychonauts, and I want some more Tim Schafer in my life. Yeah, um, give uh, Full Throttle a try. It's a short game. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a really cool universe that it's set in. Yeah, this is like Tim Schafer to a T. It's got like kind of weird puzzles and like might leave you feeling a little empty, especially cause it's short. Um, but just like the world building is so wonderful cool. in that game. Yeah. yeah. Colin Lamprey asks, what if honey and milk came from the opposite source? I'm thinking about it. It's still theft. <laughs> but <I didn't... laughs> uh, That's a good answer. <laughs> milk coming out of the cow um, is uh, just as gross but we'd still eat it. We'd drink it. We'd make things with it. Um, I mean, honey coming out of the cow. Did I say? Oh, jeez. How did yeah. I mess that up? <laughs> honey coming out of the cow. Roll with it. Milk coming out of the bees. I think we'd leave it as a culture. I, I agree. Think, I think. Well, how would you catch it? Like dripping. The, honestly, way. the same way same we do, way. but much more viscous. It would just kind of leak out. I don't think the bees would survive. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Last question for this episode. Riley Johnson asks, what are your favorite animals and least favorite animals? Bonus points if they're non-domestic. Huh. I, uh, I'm going to not get the bonus points because this is a domestic animal that I like. I've never met one, but I really like looking at videos of African giant snails, hmm. which are, I believe, illegal in this country, the USA. But people do keep them domestically, and I think that's cool as hell. Is um, it a matter of like a... They probably just have parasites or something. They're, okay. They might be an invasive species. Um, but they're just like really big snails. They, you know, you need, uh, you can hold them with one hand, but it's pushing it for some of the bigger ones. Uh, but they're very cute. You c- they like to stick their heads under the faucet. <laughs> oh, that's um, cool. They're very slow moving and they just seem nice. Oh, nice. Do you have a least favorite or you want to? Uh, my least favorite animal? Um, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite animal that's super unique. I, I do like uh, African bullfrogs a lot. They're cool. I think there's going to be a theme with we like big animals that aren't normally big yeah. in America. You no, know, when I was a kid, I loved, um, uh, what are they called? Um, Dogs. No, they're the colorful frogs. Rainforest frogs. Tree oh. frogs. Tree frogs. Thank you. <laughs> um, just because of the cool colors that are on them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're super poisonous. The vast, yeah. That's also what I liked about yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Don't eat me. There was a tiny display of them. I bet there still is at the uh, Boston Aquarium, mm-hmm. the New England Aquarium in Boston. And that like, yeah, everyone, there's a green one and it was well, a green one. <laughs> that's the first, they got a green frog. Well, Glad I a, paid the ticket to see these green guys. Frogs. No, you got to be blue or Pink and blue and, you know, bright, bright neon yellow. Mm-hmm. And like, and they'll all kill you mm-hmm. if they get like, they will kill you just by <laughs> looking at them. Yeah. Well, that's why the saying, don't touch that frog. Don't touch that yeah, frog. What's, what's your favorite animal? I would love to meet a real domesticated fox. Mm. I want to meet it. I love domesticated foxes. Yeah. My least favorite. And I'm going to lose some people on this. Uh, manatees. 
I'm just done with manatees. <laughs> I'm s- I- you're I over manatees. <laughs> I don't wish ill will upon any living thing, but this huge animal that has no defensive mechanism. Like, why did this animal become extinct within my lifetime? Well, it's huge and it's dumb. <laughs> And it can't defend itself, and its territory is being destroyed, and it's vaguely aware of its surroundings. It moves very slowly. It's fat. It's stupid. It's ugly. It has nothing going for it except that without constant 24-hour-a-day care, it would be like, oh, like, oh, well, you can't say bad things about manatee. Well, what if there were <laughs> hamsters that cost $4,000 a day to keep on a respirator? Mm. I've enjoyed hamsters. I love hamsters. I've had gerbils. You've had hamsters. But if there was entire species of respirator dependent hamsters that were enormous and ugly and stupid again they're not like the dolphins or like the navigators from what do you call it from dune they're not like a humpback whale that has a brain bigger than me these are dumb motherfucking animals and someday they'll be gone and ah all right i uh my mother before i was born had a pet raccoon that had like busted its leg oh. and they were uh, helping to uh, take care of it. Like while it's leg set back, uh, they nicknamed him bandit and they built a big cage under the back of the house she was living in at the time. And uh, my mom was probably in her twenties, early twenties. And she has a few pictures of bandit. Maybe we could find them. That'd be really cute. I bet share. bandit's smarter than every manatee <laughs> in the world put together. <laughs> These dumb, slow-moving, I, defenseless I, creatures. I can't back up the facts on manatees and whether or not. Uh, <laughs> I have no what? evidence to sustain my claim, but I'm I'm just sick. I of don't them. know if I have an animal I don't like. Not that like I, I, I don't, I'm not like some saint, but I'm just trying to think if I've ever had like mosquito. Fuck them. They're not. They're not animal. They say, kill people. A lot of them. I I'm gonna. I'm gonna say rabbits are overrated. They're yeah. very cute. Rabbits are very cute. And they, they do I spread know, diseases. I know people who have pets with, who have rabbits for pets and have had rabbits for pets, and they are cute. I get why people like them, but I find them impossible to engage with, even on the level that you can with a hamster. I think that they're just like really twitchy and yeah, even they can't really make rabbits. eye contact with you, and they don't really reciprocate. I, I yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't like. Rabbits. I get that. I do. You're right. Even the most chill rabbit ever met is like much more like on edge than even a cat that's been like abused for years. Uh, well said. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick fire. Yeah. Cat person, dog person. Cat person. Cat person, dog person. Dog. Oh, really? I'm, I love cats, but I'm allergic. I'm more. Love, I'm more of a cat guy. And uh, I like dogs too. But I like you know. dogs, but goddamn, do I love cats. I, 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 I'm a sucker for cats. Yeah, I really enjoy cats, but it would it'd be a shame I could never have one. Yeah. I mean, unless my allergies just change, and they can change, but no, for now, it would be You're a disservice to the animal. You're going to have I'm sorry. It's going to have to have this. It's the twilight. <sighs> well, that was episode six of Guaranteed Audio. Uh, thought that was a good one. I'm glad we got our pop punk quiz in there. Me too. Uh, did a good Feels Q- like a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a good Q&A segment. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, check us out at guaranteedvideo.com and guaranteedaudio.com. Uh, we'll be back. Probably sometime in February with a new movie uh, and a new podcast. Um, I'm looking over some comments right now. We're trying to find a title for our Frosty movie. And someone named Furby said we should call it. <laughs> and someone named Furby said we should call it Frosty the Costly. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right. <laughs> or God's Final Judgment. <laughs> <laughs>
pretty good. I like Frosty. <laughs> I like Frosty the Costly or the Good Snowman. If we choose to use who, if whomever, if we choose to use your ID idea, you will get credit. Yeah. Um, All right, guys, want to go to the skate park? Yeah. yeah. Let's go read books. <laughs>